This podcast contains explicit content. A hardly focused production. This podcast is hardly focused. And it gets significantly more vulgar. Knock, knock, who's there? Trick or treat sex. Part of the Solid Listen Podcast Network. Hey, that's something everyone can enjoy. Hey, you fired up? Dissecting the news one tangent at a time. When there's nothing left to burn, you have to set yourself on fire. Hello. We are Hardly Focused. We are part of the Solid Listen Podcast Network. You can find us at solidlisten.com and also at hardlyfocused.com. We're on your favorite podcast app. We're on YouTube. Just search for Hardly Focused. My name is Jack, and I'm joined by Mike Tarara. Hello. Hello. Uh, Mike, let's just jump right into this. Uh, are you going to be procuring tickets? passes for fire festival two uh no the the fact that this is even uh an an idea like a legit the fact that this is not coming out on on april 1st like that like this is clearly an april fool's joke because there's no fucking way in hell that somebody would be this absolutely fucking retarded to buy fire two festival tickets when fire one was a complete shit show why the same guy from if this was a complete different like if there was a complete different promotion going on like like um hey this is from live nation oh you know or some even though they're fucking evil they still know how to put something on sure yeah like you know they got their shit in a row um i could at least understand okay well this is going to happen or at least some sort of legitimate actual promoter as opposed to hey Hi, my name's Grifter McGee. I'm going to fuck you over twice. Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. You're a fucking idiot. I want to meet someone who read Billy McFarlane's tweet and expressed genuine excitement and belief in Fire Festival 2. Like someone who's actually excited at the prospect of it happening. That could be someone who was offered passes instead of a monetary refund because if you remember um there were two options you could take during the first fire fest either a monetary refund or which I, i'm sure mcfarland was really pushing passes to the following year's fire festival which according to him was going the to happen following year <laughs> Because what was Fire Festival was 2017, I think. Oh, yeah. It wasn't like the next year was like COVID and you couldn't go like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this was I so way back in the old days of this podcast. The Wayback Machine. Come on, Mr. Peabody. We used to record on Friday evenings and it was a Friday evening when the whole Fire Fest thing was taking off. And by taking off, I mean uh, on fire and crashing. Yes, exactly. (laughs) We were uh, the we were reading articles. We were reading tweets as they were coming in from people saying there is no festival here. There's nothing happening. We've been given bread and cheese sandwiches. There's nowhere to sleep. 
And it was like a French penal colony. It's like bread and cheese. There you go. Oh, you're now in prison. There's a kindly, older, yet oddly attractive man who's proclaiming that he'll suck all the dicks for cases of bottled water. <laughs> I, was, I was willing to suck dick for water. Well, yeah. I, would, would you really do that for Billy McFarland? Would you really do that for Fire Festival? Uh, no. The only time I suck dick is for Coke. <laughs> Boo! Boo this man! <laughs> So uh, the 10th of April is when McFarland goes on Twitter and proclaims, quote, Fire Festival, Fire Festival 2 is finally happening. Tell me why. Tell me why. Ain't nothing but a heartbreak. Tell me why. I don't know why people would pay for these fucking tickets anyway. I want a pancake. We're singing two different songs, I think. I think so. <laughs> but um, yeah, the 10th of April, McFarlane goes on Twitter. He says, tell me why you should be invited to Firefest 2. <laughs> and the Twitterverse decided to just hand him answers. Uh, according to NME.com, following this tweet, several Twitter users have responded to McFarland's announcing, chiming in with jokes and memes. One user asked McFarland, quote, tell me why you shouldn't be in jail, to which he responded. McFarland responds, it's in the best interest of those I owe for me to be working, which, by the way, he owes in total to various people, various entities, twenty six million dollars. Wow, that's more than just garnishing your wages at McDonald's there, guy. <laughs> yeah, $26 million. Uh, he also says, people aren't getting paid back if I sit on the couch and watch TV. And because I served my time. Only four out of the six years, buddy. Yeah, douche. Like a white, it's the, those white collar crimes that always get out early. I'm surprised it was only six years. Uh, were there any deaths because of Firefest? There was almost. Uh, I mean, lives were in danger. There, they, oh, no, 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 lives yeah. were in danger, but were there any deaths? Nobody died. At least there that we know. know. So in that point, it's just fraud, and they're like, fuck you, years. If there was a significant injury and death because of it, like they rioted because there was no food and water and people died, he would definitely get more than the, uh, the six years and serve four. I was... I was pleasantly, or just pleased, I guess. Um, <laughs> pleasantly pleased. Um, that he actually went to jail, that he actually served yes. jail time. That Yeah, that's one of those like the fucking white collar crime assholes. Like, ah, he's just going to get a slap on the wrist. But no, he actually Nope, went. thank you very much for not the slap on the wrist. But a slap on the dick. <laughs> the, old, uh, the old mushroom tip flick. Uh, the article here goes on to say Andy King. That was the gentleman who would have sucked all the dick for all the water. As the article puts it, a producer of the festival who has since risen to prominence for his candid involvement in Netflix's documentary on the festival has since joined in to echo McFarlane's announcement in which he posted something on Twitter, but he appended it with a bunch of the uh, water drop emojis. <laughs> Hey, you know what? You need to be the, uh, the the end of the joke or part of the joke, you know? At least he's taking it in stride, right? 
um, in, in, among other places. Oh yeah. He's, he's taking in stride. He, I think he knew going into that, going into that documentary, going into that interview that everything he was uh, about to proclaim was going to make him famous or infamous. infamous. Yeah. Infamous. The article from NME concludes Billy McFarland has the smallest penis anyone has ever seen and has since launched a new business venture last year, which is set to take place in the Bahamas uh, titled. I now I believe it's pronounced Piert. Neil Peart. Neil Peart. Neil Peart. Uh, it's P-Y-R-T because that's what he likes doing. He likes doing four letter words. You can put in all caps that are pronounced one way, but spelled another. Uh, the event- so at this point, Elon Musk's kid is going to be named after that. <laughs> Fire Musk. F-Y-R-E Musk. Yep. Fire Festival 2 Musk. Electric Boogaloo. Uh, the event will see McFarland, this being that Pirate Festival, or maybe it's Pyrite, I don't know. Uh, the event will see McFarland lead a treasure Pyrite, hunt. Pyrite, which is fool's gold. Oh. There we go. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, 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 yeah. All right. Not all that glitters is gold. Some. Uh, the event will see McFarland lead a treasure hunt, which begins with participants tracking down one of 99 love balloons uh, with bottles uh, bottles uh, with a message contained inside. Message in a bottle. Are you, you are getting grifted. Well, I was talking about getting grifted. I saw Sting is going to be playing at the MGM Music Hall in Boston uh, later this year. So if you really want to get grifted, if you want to go see uh, Sting perform all of your favorite police songs, prepare for disappointment because he doesn't perform them the way they should be performed. Mr. New Age Reggae. Well, he puts a reggae spin on it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jim Murray, who does uh, a Big Jim, of, uh, formerly of WFNX, now he's on the Sports Hub in Boston, uh, loves telling the story about how he and his father <clears throat> went to see the police on the reunion tour in 2007 or 2008, and the whole time Jim was just screaming from his seat at the Xfinity Center, play it right! Because they were uh, putting putting little improvisational spins on their greatest hits, and it was not going over well. Uh, so the the crowd itself, not just him, was yeah. like, no, no, that's not good, right? Because I th- the police even had announced too, we're only doing this tour, we're only doing this jaunt, we are not doing anything else, we are never reforming after this. They didn't care, they did not give a fuck. Oh, fuck them! Uh, so that means that Sting will possibly be headlining fire festival too possibly now if this stupid piece of shit wants to actually be innovative to some degree here's what he should do okay all twitter all three members of the police are on tour right now or they will be going on tour but separately even andy summers who's 81 years young is going to be playing in beverly uh very soon like beverly massachusetts yes not Beverly Hills, Beverly, Massachusetts. Oh, yes, Beverly. Yeah, Beverly, Massachusetts, which surprisingly uh, lesser known or not lesser known. But I don't know the people go to they go to Lawrence, Massachusetts. They go to Beverly. They, they like being up uh, on the North Shore. They like being on the because they want those roast beefs. 
fires. Um, yeah, and the fires. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get sidetracked just yet, but I do want to mention that too. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Sting, Stuart Copeland, Andy Summers are all touring separately. What I'm getting at is that if Billy McFarlane wants to take his head out of his ass for five seconds, he actually has the opportunity to make some money here that he can pay back to people by getting it, not the police to reform, but at least having all three members at a single festival. Yeah, but he's not looking for old farts, man. He's looking for young influencers. I don't think we'll be seeing any of those Instagram models on. Uh, oh, they on are. They're so narcissistic. They'll fucking come back. They will. Your Kardashians and your Radikowskis. Hashtag ad. I took this photo not anywhere near Great Exuma. I took this in my backyard in the hills in California. Is that when you go down the 405 and you hit the 5 and the 101 and the PACH? <laughs> uh, Becky and I just watched uh, a very, very good show on Amazon Prime called Daisy Jones and the Six. And it's a book as well. Oh. I'm, I'm on my third book this year. This is wow, fucking weirdo. Three more than I've read in the last decade, but now I'm re- reading. How huh? you think you educated? I'm trying. I'm trying to get the old brain cells going. But Daisy Jones and the Six, loosely based on uh, the uh, mid to late '70s era of Fleetwood Mac, but they have they, now they uh, have a whole album that's on Spotify that's very good. That's called Aurora. But there's there's a, a line. This is the thing that irritates me. Mike, you saying PCH triggered me that there's a there's a lyric that says, quote, the PCH highway. What, what do you think H in PCH stands for? It's the ATM machine issue, isn't it? All oh, again. oh, if you want to irk me easily, yeah, do that. The ATM machine that when, when people forget what the letters, the last letter especially, stands for. Oh, that that just that that grinds my gears. And hearing it, and, and it's such a good song. And it's so well done. And then you hear that. I'm like, eh, you ruined it. You soiled it. Soiled it. Soiled it. Soiled it. We're just going to have to, like, recite out loud. Oh, I already had it pulled up. Never mind. Soiled it! Soiled it! Soiled it! Soiled it! Soiled it! Uh, we're going to be, like, reciting sound drops out loud until I get this cast taken off my hand and I can fire off the soundboard again. <laughs> Else I'm going to be like, hey, Mike, remember that thing you said 45 seconds ago that's of no relevance to the current discussion at hand? Here's that sound drop I meant to play. Anywho, uh, but uh, Mike, you might like this. I don't know, because on Daisy Jones and the Six, uh, Riley Keough plays the titular character, Mm -hmm. uh, the granddaughter of Elvis. Oh, really? Yeah. And she's she's got some pipes on her, man. She sounds good. Apparently runs in the family. The whole cast. I found out the whole cast is uh, they're accomplished musicians, so they could they could pull a spinal tap and they could go on tour as a as a legit band and they could probably do pretty well <laughs> except i mean it's not spinal tap though. 
Yeah, Warren the drummer just needs to spontaneously combust. <laughs> Is there a Stonehenge that's going to crush somebody? <laughs> well, uh, the Ohana Festival was announced, and that's I believe that's Eddie Vedder's curated festival. Uh, is he going through Ticketmaster for this? Oh, I hope not. He would be a hypocritical fool if he did. <laughs> the thing is, is he had the option? That's the always the question. Like, do they even have the option sometimes? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, what for for big festivals like this these days? Yeah. I don't think so. I think it's 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 that or nothing. He's selling on the street. He's selling on the street. Yeah, who's is doing that? Is that uh Maggie Rogers? Is that what it is? Yeah. Um. Yeah, Maggie Rogers selling tickets in person, like herself handing them out to people just to yeah. combat scalpers. She's like, "All right, uh, here's my uh, Venmo. Uh, just uh, or uh, I'll I'll take Squarespace. There you go. I'd take Cash App, but the uh, founder died. Oh, uh, Suki Waterhouse is in Daisy Jones and the Six, and she plays the their version of Christine McVie." the female keyboardist and uh, she's playing Ohana festival and she's actually somewhat high up on the bill. I didn't realize that I, that she, I know I thought only a couple of the actors on the show could play, but it turns out the whole, everyone who was there could do it. So uh, yeah, I think that's actually, I think that's actually cool. What would be cooler is if Daisy Jones and the six actually tours as a band, they should, I mean, uh, Death Clock is touring as a band, and they're not a real band, right? That's so. right. That was just announced. With uh, so I mean, yeah, if you've got fake bands, you got real bands. It can it can work. Who's it? Is it Baby Metal that they're playing with? Uh, I don't even know. I just saw that. And I was like, that's fucking hilarious and awesome. Now, it's hasn't so, it's so brutal? Hasn't Death Clock been apart for many years now? Because Metalocalypse has been off the air for a while. Yeah, it's been yeah, it's been off the air for a while, but still. Doesn't matter. It's fucking epic. Right? <laughs> He's gonna do it. We're gonna have fun and we're gonna murder things. I just I love when fictional bands become real bands <laughs> and then they actually go on tour and do well. So uh, there you go. That's someone else that could uh, uh, play at Fire Festival too. I know that McFarland is trying to go for, uh, you know, the pop EDM, yeah, all that crap, and then for some reason Blink One Eighty Two. But no, he has a soft spot for Blink One Eighty Two. <laughs> but no, go here. Here's some names you should we should do. It will do well for him. Oh, and then obviously Cheap Trick. Yeah, well, okay, because Cheap Trick is in every single festival. He can't have a festival without Cheap Trick. <laughs> but uh, well, see, the difference is he know, he's smart though. You know why? He's smart enough to know that if he actually did a legit metal festival and it went sideways. It, it people would die, but it would be the promoters that would die. Like there would be a, a legit like rushing of of the uh, promotional uh, area, and they and they would get literally torn apart. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the difference. Influencers don't know how to tear people apart. <laughs> well, they can do it through the use of pictures and carefully edited video. Yeah, exactly. They don't. They don't do it for real. I still love the side by side comparison of a. Uh, like an Xfinity Center type venue, the parking lot, and there was the country festival, and it looked like a nuclear bomb had gone off with all the trash and garbage it was left behind. And then, oh, nice. and then the following week, there was a metal festival, and it was spotless. Yep. 
As I always say, country's trash. <laughs> Becky, comment. Becky's trying to get me to go to Country Fest. <laughs> He's going. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's it's like going to like a mental asylum just to like watch the inmates. Then yes, I, I can understand that. I think Jack's going gonna to, have a great time. Going to enjoy yourself with that cookie cutter country shit is a fucking like. Uh, I'll take. Uh, you remember? Uh, is it um, the Butthole Surfers? They had an album cover. And they were, it was a guy and he jammed a pencil in his ear. Exactly yeah. what I'm thinking of when I think of regular country music. <laughs> it sounds like every other type of music out there now. Everything sounds the same. Mm, I mean, let's be honest. Country's pretty fucking cookie cutter. He's not wrong. I, now you've sent me stuff that I, I like. So I've Bo, sent Bur- you some, Bo Burnham's uh, country song right there. That encapsulates everything. Okay, sent you some very unique. You have. Okay, uh, then then it, then what you sent him was not big and rich Keith Urban uh, Paisley or Correct. anything like uh, big and rich. I, I, so yeah, yeah, that's it's a, different. Like if you yeah, if and you're I do like try to to Zach Brown band is a little bit different, a little uh, bit different. Yeah, I've sent him Zach Brown band. I mean, I knew I knew how to dip my toe into this subject with him. I said yeah. you're, you're sending I mean, me. You're sending Johnny me. Cash is classic because he wrote like yeah, you know, Dolly Parton <laughs> started with some anybody Leonard writes, Skinner. That, I'm like yeah, hey. that writes their own stuff. But the like the the Nashville just factory Nashville factory country is is like going to Olive Garden. It's not real Italian food, and and Nashville country is just not real country. I, I and if think- you if you know my position on Olive Garden, you understand <laughs> the vitriol I have in that second half of that sentence. Well, I feel if like you don't understand. You think Olive Garden is high Italian, then you're a fucking idiot. And that's beside the point. <laughs> Well, I feel like Becky has been sending me like mid-tier country. So. I mean, I vetted extensively before I send it out there to be criticized. Yeah. And I have a little bit of a method to the songs that I send you. But I love the cookie cutter stuff, too. Don't get me wrong. I think it's she, because there you go. Becky's a basic bitch. There you go. Totally. It's in the name. I think it's <laughs> I think it's just too. Uh, Becky with a good hair. <laughs> I wish. I think it's just too. Uh, it's very narrative heavy. That's the thing about country music. Got a dog and a jacket driving down a long road. You sound like my father. <laughs> Today I woke up. I put one sock on my left foot. Say something about a truck song. now. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. And yeah. I put it on my right foot. This is the first verse. Oh, okay. And, and then, then I put my boots on to get in my truck and drove down to get my dog. My gun. And then I thought on the way, did I close the garage door? And I didn't. And you're, I you're doing more, more classic, like a little ballady style there. Yeah, George Jack. <laughs> what, what country have you been listening yeah. to? Yeah, that old stuff. Apparently. That classic shit. He's veered off. He I, has veered off. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm talking about, yeah, no, different stuff. I'm, ta- I'm I'm going outlaw country here, like like '70s era outlaw country. That's because it's the last country song you've ever heard. <laughs> it's because my, my experience is the country music stations and the Grand Theft Auto games, and it's all classic country. Yeah, because this is stuff that doesn't immediately want you to tear your ears off. Yeah, I was wondering whether I was going to sneak you in or accidentally stumble into a, con- a country con- concert, or just go full blown. We're going to country fest first one. No build up. Let's rip, rip the bandaid off. Yeah. yeah. 
As Courage the Cowardly Dog used to say, the things I do for love. <laughs> I would like to start at Taylor Swift. I mean, that's yeah, not. I want to go so bad. I do too. I'm going to go. I just don't have $2,000. I'm going to find $2,000. You could just sell your eggs. I th- I'm too old. Yeah. I did oh. look into that. You actually, they don't allow it after 31. Oh, really? that sucks. Yeah. My old eggs are useless. You can sell yourself. <laughs> True. That I'm not. Yep, there's still a market for, it for me. There we go. Hey, there's an OnlyFans for everyone, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, very so you good. Used underwear, feet feet fetish stuff. I'll find yeah. a way. Hey, if you're in um, uh, Japan, they they have those used underwear vending machines. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Uh, so he's blushing, and then she's also thinking at the same time. Okay, well, if I do that, how much can I make? Well, make a note of this episode so we can revisit it in a year when uh, Fire Festival Two happens or doesn't happen. <laughs> "Quote unquote" happens. I actually think this could be a really good themed weekend where it's supposed to be bad. You go wanting the bad experience. I feel like it could work now. So what's the theme going to be? Humanitarian crisis? <laughs> I don't know. I could just see some people wanting to go and get the cheese sandwich, take pictures with their cheese sandwich. I see what you're getting just, at. Like yeah. being in on the joke. Yes. Yeah. It it it, it becomes I, like an amusement it's park. It's like a haunted house. It's 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 aware of its own satire. Yeah. Kind of it's, it's in on its own joke. Yeah, if, if he plays it, he won't play it. I know. Way. I I think he could if he leaned into it the right way. I think he could even get people on board, like people of, with high followings. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what he no, tried to do. Yeah, it did, but that's what he tried to do the last time, and it didn't work. Right, but no, in a different context where they were in on the joke too. I I I, I see where you're going, and I wish they would. Yeah, and I think I it should just be would, a haunted house weekend. He's he's too much of a self-aggrandizing douche. To do that, I know. Yeah. I somebody somebody's got to tell him. Uh, he honestly could have done well with the first fire festival had he just listened to all of the people giving him advice, ja especially Rule. financial advice. Maybe not Ja Rule, but anyone else telling him, "Dude, wait until next year. Literally, just wait a year, and you'll be able to pull this off, probably the way you want to." And that arrogant son of a bitch is like, no, I want to do it right now. I don't want to wait a year. I want to do it right now. And they told him you can't. And then he fired them because he didn't, he didn't agree with them. Ah, uh, nothing like firing people that aren't your yes men. Well, that if never all of goes this, badly. if all of this was for notoriety, it worked for him. It probably worked out better for him, given that it didn't go well. I mean, if the, I don't know that I know any other promoter's name of any festival. I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but the guy, oh, there's a guy who does Warp Tour, and then the guy that does the Bamboozle, and that's just because they're, um, you know, they actually give a shit. They give a shit about the show that they're trying okay, to put well, on. Okay, well, I don't. And the bands that they're trying to put on. Uh, the, the guy that does the Bamboozle, trying to get brand new to reunite for it. Oh, don't do this. I won't. Okay. Uh, when we return, uh, we'll talk about some uh, stupid people. Some more okay, stupid my, people. My favorite thing. What else is new? Uh, all right, stick around. You, you are listening to Hardly Focused. 
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to the Solid Listen Podcast Network. Two things that I think as humans you never forget. The first time you have sex and the first time you experience virtual reality. This podcast is hardly focused. I have a question. What the fuck were we talking about? Oh, Haley Williams, I love you. I don't care how old I am and how old she is. That She could be 80 years old. And I will still be in love with her. It could be like Mike with Jane Seymour and uh, Helen no, Mirren. Jane Seymour is slightly closer to 80 than Haley. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I'm just saying, I don't expect Haley Williams to look anything like uh, Kelly McGillis in uh, 30 oof. years. Oof. Let's just, let's just put will. it that way. Uh, we are hardly focused. Uh, Mike Torara, Jack Gill. And uh, let's uh, go a little bit local here, but it's something I think I've seen it on Reddit. So it has to be national at this point. So in Western Massachusetts, close to where we live, there's a. Uh, in the town of East Hampton, there's a superintendent or would be superintendent spoilers. He's not the superintendent. He didn't get the job. Uh, his name is, uh, Vito Perone. Vito Corleone. What <laughs> on this, the day of his daughter's wedding did not you get do this favor for me. You'll be a madman. He was offered the role that he couldn't refuse <laughs> of uh, East Hampton superintendent. And then it was rescinded almost uh, immediately, probably within the next 48 hours. It was rescinded. This happened a couple of weeks ago. May your first offer be a masculine offer. And that's uh, what happened. That's what happened. So the offer was rescinded because he sent an email to the school committee, specifically two women, the chairperson, and then another lady who's on the committee, the executive assistant. He sent them an email and he began it with the salutation, quote, ladies. Hey, lady. And apparently that's enough to get you to have a job offer taken away. I feel like there is a lot more under the surface than just that. I agree. I absolutely agree. There has to be more to this story. It can't just be 
this guy sends an email and begins it with ladies. I'm just going to assume it was just or not even like maybe hi, ladies, greetings, ladies, I mean, just ladies, comma, and then just goes into it. I uh, yeah, I, I now, apparently there's some other factors as well that that weighed in on it. But ladies, come on, ladies, really, if that's all it is then we have failed as humans. We have failed as a society. Is, is there, I mean, were their pronouns not used correctly? Is that why? I mean, that's what I was possibly thinking. Like, Hey, I told you I, I prefer they, them as opposed to she, her. And he continued to use that as like a, like a way to be dominant. That's the only thing I could read into it like that, but I didn't see anything like that. But it's, it's something else. It's it, ladies, and it was condescending. Yeah, like, it was a response back, like ladies, 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 please, ladies, please, go go back in the kitchen and make me a sandwich. Like, <laughs> like, like I'm assuming that is the intonation that they were they're hearing, but without more context, I don't know. And apparently, that's the issue, right? That is the issue. It's not like he began the email too with uh, "bitches, please." All these dames. <laughs> oh, yakety yak yak. Broads. Oh. <laughs> Fucking broads. <laughs> hey, sweet cheeks. Yeah, none of that happened. Sugar tits over here needs to shut up. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, uh, gazettenet.com. Uh, Gazunzite, all right. A week after the school committee's decision to rescind a job offer to superintendent finalist Vito Perone because he used the salutation ladies in an email. Chairperson Cynthia Kwasinski spoke out for the first time this past Thursday saying that there's more to the story. Oh, I can't wait. Dying to know. What was her last name? Uh, I believe it's Kwasinski. Okay, so basically he was making a Polish reference there too somehow. That's why he also got uh, canned. <laughs> like, oh, I got a Polak. Huh? All right, how do you get a one on Polak out of a tree? You wave. <laughs> All right, ladies. Greetings, Mrs. Last Name I Can't Pronounce. <laughs> Nor spell for that matter. No one can, not even the Polish. Uh, according to Kwasinski, in an email <laughs> statement to the Gazette, from which we are Gazette. reading this article, Quote, the general feeling was that there were too many concerns before we had even begun negotiating the rest of the contract and alarm bells were going off. Uh, the article continues. You can ring my bell. <laughs> alarm bells. Uh, Perone, who is interim superintendent at West Springfield Public Schools, was offered the East Hampton superintendent position by the school committee on the morning of March 24th and accepted. Upon his acceptance... Perone received an initial contract from the committee. Once he reviewed it, he emailed Kwasinski and executive assistant Suzanne Colby with three requests that the annual salary for fiscal years 25 and 26 be negotiated and not be less than the cost of living adjustment of 3% for both years. Okay. Uh, that he be granted 30 days vacation and 40 days sick days each year. So basically he wants 70 days off. What like now I'm dumb school yes. school administration. Do they get some degree of summer vacation like the teachers do? Uh, yes and no. I mean, this administration tends to not have 
the summer off like teachers because they still have to worry about, you know, keeping the school working, getting the next season, next season, getting next school year ready. So they more or less have like a month off than, a, than three, than quote unquote, the three months off. Yeah. That, that PTA uh, parents love to bitch about. Right. I, I also read that the expectation was that he'd be on pretty much on call 24 seven, save for like personal emergencies, right? Like the guy would have to be in the emergency room in order to, well, he's a superintendent. So like shit flows, you know, like problems go up it needs to be sure. available. Sure. It's, it's like the chief of police. If things get big enough, you have to get the chief of police involved regardless of whether it's 3 a.m. So yes, yeah. you have to be on call. If there's an armed robbery stakeout, you know, in the middle of fucking downtown, uh, well, we'll wait until he gets on shift. No, 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 no. There is no waiting. So it's, it's the same thing. Same thing with fucking like the, the basic shit, snow days. It's Massachusetts. You got to be on call for that shit. 6 a.m. is not like, well, I'm going to roll out of bed and take a look. No, you got to at midnight, 8 p.m., something like that. You'd be ready to say, hey, I'm calling it, bitch. I think it's probably the reason why people in these positions don't hold these positions for many years. It's almost a, it's an anomaly if you have it for if you're like Kate's father, for example, and you hold the same position for 20 years. Kate would always tell me that because her father is the chief of police and if he would get a phone call like in the middle of the night, always for a murder, by the way, always uh, only if, the best kind right? or, or if it's like any loss of human life, he's he's like by default has to be uh, present for it. But anytime the house phone would ring and if Kate or her sister answered and it was, you know, obviously, uh, you know, uh, a younger girl answering the phone, right? The person on the other end would go, ladies. No, uh, they'd always go, hi, is your father home? <laughs> In a very jubilant voice. And then, hey, chief. Yeah, uh, the company's got shot up. <laughs> dead, dead everywhere. Thanks, Catherine. Say hi to your mother for me. Just dead everywhere. Blood. I've never seen so much blood. I'm vomiting uh, out my the, ass. The, so the, much blood. The, the coroner threw up. It's, it's, it's a mess. <laughs> He threw up in the, the church organist's purse. There's puke everywhere. <laughs> Blueberry pie everywhere. <laughs> um, so basically, the first part of it is that this Kwasinski lady thinks that Perone, the, the would be the, I guess, what would you call it? Like superintendent elect. Um, the, she thinks that his requests, his demands are unreasonable. But then she says that, according to this article, after sharing Perone's counterproposal, which is what his email was, uh, with committee members, Kwasinski said, quote, most members believe that it was extremely unprofessional and inappropriate to address the chairperson, quote, with a familiarity that he had not yet earned. Okay, so it should have been like, like addressing like a judge like Your Honor, like, oh, Your Honor, I'd like to to talk to you about this, as opposed to, hey, babe, can I approach the bench? <laughs> that, yeah, that's. I think when you're in court, I think that's when sugar tits might not uh, go over so well. Oh, oh, I would, I would, I would love to see a clip of an actual courtroom where somebody tries to pull that with a female judge. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, I have a feeling. I have a feeling it would be like deep south. You know, the guy's a good old boy, and he just is like women belong barefoot and pregnant kind of thing, and just like he gets pulled over for something more than a speeding ticket, but less than like a felony. He's got to argue. I was like, listen, sugar tits. I was driving. I don't deserve this. I'm going to leave and you're going to knock it down to a misdemeanor. All right. Bye. And she's going to lose her shit on him. She and she's going to be like, women are so emotional these days. She just waves at him and just goes, oh, you. <laughs> Bless his heart. <laughs> that old Southern charm. Uh, she all, Kwasinski then goes on to say, it is true that I was insulted by the familiarity with which a candidate addressed me and the committee's executive assistant in correspondence that was part of a salary negotiation. While I speak informal most of the time, if I'm addressing a public official, especially in written communication, even more so if engaged in salary negotiations, I would always use formal titles. Uh, Listen, the, bub. the salutation ladies raised concern among most that the candidate might make administrators and teachers feel uncomfortable if used in the future instead of calling them by their names or titles. Well, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, most schools do have a majority of female teachers. Right. So yeah. That is that is a legitimate concern. I can understand that. I picking up what you're putting down. I still think there's more to it. Oh, I, I don't doubt that at all. Then, I think there is definitely something else. Yeah, there has to be because unless this guy has a, a like a recorded track record of doing things like this and we're just not hearing about it, then this is a maybe that is like we're going to just gloss this over so it doesn't besmirch your name. and You can get a job elsewhere, but we're calling it. Yeah. I mean, that's good. That's, you don't, yeah. And if you don't make it an issue, you're we're cool. That's a if you make it an issue. Things going to blow up in your face. Maybe that's what it is. That's a fair guess. And he appalled like the, the guy apologized. He admitted like, OK, I shouldn't have done it. But at the same time, I think this could have just been like a OK, a slap on the wrist. OK, one and only warning. Don't do that again. Like you should know better. Literally, if you're getting a superintendent position, you should know better. Maybe that's why, like if he was going for a principal position, maybe they get a one warning superintendent. You don't get one. Oh, maybe. I don't know. You can't spell principal without pal. Wow. That's awful. Uh, I got to use my little stick to reach the soundboard. I'm a teacher. This is my this is my whacking stick. I think it is your strong hand. <laughs> yeah, I um I see reading this initially and just seeing this how this woman is reacting to this. I like I, either she just doesn't like him and she's using this just as an excuse to rescind a job offer and effectively make him look like a misogynist in the process. And maybe that is, maybe it's like something's something's sus and I can't identify what it is, but these little things are just getting under my skin. And I don't fucking like it. You're done. Maybe that's what it is. Cause it makes the news. And now everyone's seeing, cause I see it on boston.com. For example, I see it in the globe and reading this. I'm just thinking to myself, all the guy said is ladies and you're upset over that. Like, what do you, what the, what the fuck are you supposed to say then? I mean, I get it in this case, if you're doing a salary negotiation, all right, you don't do that. But if like, you, does that mean you just can't say ladies and gentlemen anymore without the risk of offending someone? Uh, yeah. You know what I'd do? Were it me, 
<laughs> and I'd respond to that email to to this woman, Kwasinski, because obviously I, I have enough respect to not address her as Miss nor Mrs., just Kwasinski. I begin my letter with salutations, you frumpy used grocery sack. Greetings and salutations. <laughs> and then we begin the salary negotiations. You never know. It could work. You never well, know. Came, came, came in with the strong hand right there. There you go. <laughs> Over the top. So anyway, that's that. Uh, apparently, uh, watch what you say, I guess. If you're going for a superintendent gig and you get it. Uh, yeah, probably. And it's been given to a woman. Uh, they gave it to the runner-up, I guess. Well, she's not going to address anybody as ladies. <laughs> no, well, okay, so that's here's a question. What if she then responds to an email and they're doing a salary negotiation over email? And uh, she's allowed she to use that word. That's, her, that's their word. I think ladies can be a microaggression, but it, it really is just context. It's just how you say it, what you say. Afterward, exactly. beforehand, yeah. yeah, and I think that's why, ladies, it's ladies, such a ladies. polarizing. I I think headliner. I think that's why the story is written because yes, just saying ladies alone. It, it that's fine, but it really just depends on on the context. Yeah, I I I, I do see it all the time still. Like I, I see, I, but it, we yeah. all, I mean, like, we call, calling you like ladies, or yeah. like the condescension of it. I I felt it, yeah it depends who sent it and what they're asking when they it, it, it the familiarity matters I've had people out of the blue just send an email who I don't know and I'm like oh when you say ladies it's weird when you say it it sounds like a dick yeah and it just it just crosses my mind I've never I would never say anything about it it's not that deep but I'm like, huh, okay, you, clock. But you, but you notice it. Oh, I notice it. Yeah. I actually notice it every time. So I do, the story makes sense and that, yeah, I do kind of snark every time I see it in an email. But um, I, it's, per, I don't know, it's perfect. It's, a, it's one of those things that you know they're being aggressive when they, when they use it, some people. But they're they're going to be able to say what it's just and, ladies and 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 who's the guy that that what's his name the Jack? superintendent yeah Vito Perone yeah is is Vito is the name Vito Perone anything other than aggressive when it comes to using the term ladies I don't know I don't Come know on. him I'm not going to pass judgment yeah. oh I'm going to pass judgment I'm going to pass judgment I'll tell you this Vito Perone is an aggressive kind of guy this guy does not look like a Vito nor Perone that's really that's I. That has to be the most ironic part. He's like a tall, skinny, balding white guy. Oh, the, yeah, that's not a Vito Perone right there at all. No, that's this, this, this dude's like a this is a John Smith I've ever seen one. Uh, apparently, he apparently he married into the name then. <laughs> I think it does matter too whether he said "hi, ladies" or just "ladies, comma." Oh yeah, without like that, the yeah. high I. Ladies, like, like yeah. when you just say ladies, like yeah. that, especially in a contract negotiation, it is condescending. Oh, yeah. You do it that way. Ladies, yes. I'm expecting this. And, and I, like, oh, excuse me? Yeah. Excuse me? You're expecting this? Like, yeah. It could also be the rest of the tone of the email, too, that it, that indicates why the ladies was as aggressive yes. as it could be. Even if it's professional, 
but assertive. The assertiveness in using ladies is like infuriating. Oh yeah. I, I, my, my team, I have, I work with 15 people. Only one other person is a guy and it's not my boss. So I will, I, I always, I always am aware of what's going on. And so I will make sure like I'm not, I'm not doing this. And they know that if I'm doing that, it's, it's completely in jest and they're familiar enough with me to know that if I'm saying something like that, they know it's, it's a little self-depreciation. Like, yeah, Mike's surrounded by women that are just as equal and better than him. Yeah. So it's okay. It's Mike being Mike. Yeah. But coming out of the gate like that, <laughs> no, 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 no. Now you got to know your role. Now I'm in a similar boat where I work with a majority female team. And it is, it is kind of funny. I'm thinking about it, that the one other male on my team is the one that like all of his emails always just begin with, the recipient's first name so like mike comma blah 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 and i'm like dude you come off is so i love you i'm gonna preface this by saying i love you i really do but you come off as so your online demeanor comes off as just so robotic and over the top formal that's such a peeve of mine because in person like you wouldn't expect this to be that 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 guy that you deal with online but that's just because of how they present themselves online so do you ever get lazy yeah. and drop the high? Is that just a, a character I begin, trait? I, at, at work, I begin every email with greetings. Oh, gosh. Every single email with greetings. <laughs> you know what? Because you know what? Because you That's know what? That's worse. Because nobody complains. Nobody. I'm complaining. Yeah, you'll Gre- complain, but. Gre- greetings, human. My name is Jack Gill. I am not a chatbot. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't want to lose my job, so that's why I'm playing it safe. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I even feel like saying "hey" can be a microaggression. After yeah. I, I start with "hey," uh, if I'm in Teams, I'll start with "hey." Oh, if oh if, Teams is different. Yeah, but Slack, email emails yeah. high high in the name always for the first time. Yes, or hi then, all. Yeah, and then afterwards, if it's just back and forth, it'll be the name, and then after a while, it just goes. We're like we're chatting back and forth with like non-serious shit. Yeah, uh, then it's just like we're going back with just just body reply, body reply, body reply. And no. It, it has yeah. to be their full name. You can't start doing a nickname oh, if you never. don't know them, even if it's... Oh, no. Like, yeah, do no you get J-Bones, called Mike? No. I feel like Mike is such, is one of those names where almost every Michael goes by Mike. It, it, you just do. Generally, yes. The only time people do that is when they have no idea who I am and they're looking me up on the company and they're like, oh, your name is Michael Tara. I okay, will well, always ad- address you if I don't know you as Michael, if that's what's in the address book. Exactly. exactly. And I you have don't to want see to. how you send and there's, it back. And there's others' names in there too. You're like, I know this person is not addressed as Alexandria. She probably goes by Alex, but I don't want to risk it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, exactly. Yep. And then if she, and then if her sign, if her sign back at the end is goes, you know, Alex Smith, you're like, okay, Alex, boom, going forward with Alex. But first time out of the gate. Oh no. I even Full did, name. When I, when I, I start fucking up with that, when I start working at my current company, I work with a guy and, uh, he has a name that kind of like Michael, right? Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, his name's not Mike, but I'm going to use Michael as an example. I don't want to give his real name out. Uh, but I Silver. asked him, I mess, I, I just messaged him. It's like, hey, what do you prefer? Is it Michael or Mike? And he said, Mike is fine. I'm like, okay. You know, and it's because it could be one of those things. I worked with someone in a past job who he was Steven and someone called him Steve and he went, no, it's Steven. My name is Steven. Whoa. Uh, okay. 
So, and then in this, I know a Matthew who does not go by Matt. Yeah, some and that's just, forever scarred me. Yeah, some people just do that. I mean, we we're in an age now where you got to be cognizant of it. You shouldn't have to be, but you have to be. Now, I and with this story with this prone guy, I really, oh, I really want to know more of the context. I, I, if if the guy is a piece of shit and has a history of being a true misogynist, and people didn't like him, and then he gets an administration role regardless, then, okay, we were looking for an excuse to not give it to him and addressing these women as ladies. Okay. I guess that's probable cause. If you want to call it that, then all right, you can do it. But it's kind of like uh, the the guy from jeopardy. This, this dude, booby pictures, Uh, Mike Richards, that nobody wanted him to have Alex Trebek's role on jeopardy. He gave it to him for excuse. Yeah, he gave it to himself and then uh, found out that, yeah, I mean, everyone knew he was he was a sack of trash. And then he got the role. He had it for a week and then he got fired. And at that point, we were truly looking for an excuse to get rid of him. And then they used that podcast that he did where he was saying things like Booth Ho and Booth Slut. But yeah, that was fishing for an excuse to get rid of him. Did he put the story out there? Perone? Yeah. I. That's a good question. He's done. I think he's done interviews and he definitely responded to at least one publication admitting faults and saying, okay, I shouldn't have done this. Yeah. But how did this get out there? Well, I think it's, it's gotta be like at least local news. If it's like done like an election, like at least it's in town news, like it'll show up in the town paper that the committee has elected so-and-so to the role, the title of such and such. And I'm sure it would be news, too, if you said, hey, we gave it to this guy and then two days later we're rescinding it. Well, then people are going to want to know why it was rescinded. And then I'm sure that I don't know. Now, this is where I'm playing. Yeah. Private HR matter. I don't don't know. if. Well, yeah, I don't know if it's right to say it's devil's advocate or the opposite of devil's advocate. But then I, I would fathom that this Kwasinski lady might be one of those social justice warriors who wants people to know he called me ladies. He called us ladies. So I, I mean, that's, that's just uh, speculation. I don't know how it made, uh, how this part got out there, but I mean, and again, because now if you're going out there and you're like proudly proclaiming, yeah. that you took, you took a job offer away because you didn't like how you were addressed. Right. I feel like that's also condescending to the woman who now has the job. Setting like, her- oh, you, I, I didn't earn the job. Yeah. Uh, that's why i'm just wondering whose spin is out there pushing this that much i don't know i don't even know if that much was even really revealed more people are focusing on the word and the reaction yeah and then trying to find that context three two one context but if it's truly just because she didn't like the guy or she even even just didn't like that she how she was addressed then she's just part of the problem. She's not part of the solution. She just makes herself look like a miserable human. I may go back to my grocery sack comment. Salutations. Because <laughs> that's, I, I just, I, 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 I loathe the use of the term witch hunt just because of how certain people have used that term in the last few years. But truly, if, that, if that's what it was for this guy, that sucks. But at the same time, I if doubt you, it. I, I think there has to be a lot more. Yeah, I 
may, we may never know. But the way that the story's been presented so far, it's making this woman, this Kwasinski woman, look like a, just a total asshole, like a total jerk. Um, because there's people You're out there. So I've been I've been largely looking at what the Gazette uh, Gazette had reported about this. Boston.com also had an article on it as well, and. Uh, a member of the committee, Laura Garcia, Lori Garcia. Sorry, see, I'm getting it right. I'm trying to, I'm trying to make sure we're pronouncing it right. She goes by Lori. That's okay. It could be Laura, but she likes Lori. Okay, we can accept that. Says Jack. Um, okay, John Malachi. A committee member, Lori Garcia, pushed back on Kwasinski's assessment during Monday's, this past Monday's public meeting, asserting, quote, the teachers, students, and parents who have experienced working with Perone were ringing bells of glee. I didn't hear any alarms. And then she goes on to say that Perone was immediately canceled and described the incident as a horrific ordeal for the Western Massachusetts community. <laughs> a horrific ordeal. Uh, that's a bit of hyperbole right there, but okay. I mean, you live in Western Massachusetts. I think every day being out in Western Massachusetts is a horrific ordeal. <laughs> Might look nice, but that's all you got going for you. Try walking down uh, downtown Springfield at two o'clock in the morning and get back to me. The combat zone. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. I, I if if this is all we're getting here, then I'm I'm looking at Kwasinski as uh, public enemy number one and just cost the guy a job that probably didn't pay all that well. But at least. Uh, you oh, can, oh, a superintendent. Oh, that <laughs> that pays well. I I don't know if I there, there was some part of this article, one of these articles that mentioned that the initial salary that he was offered was lower than what he was making as principal. Where where was he as a principal? Now he's been the interim, uh, he's been interim superintendent at West Springfield Public Schools, and I guess that paid, and our, I guess the the what he was going to get started lower and might have the opportunity to effectively make more through salary increases, kind of taking a little bit of a step backwards. But I'm not sure how this this works. I mean, if they lowballed him too. You know, that that could have been the start of an angry email saying, ladies, yeah, respectfully, are you fucking kidding me? I can't uh, ladies, of- if you're going to fuck me, at least buy me dinner first. Yeah. I can't, I can't think of a job I'd want less than superintendent. Oh, my God. <laughs> I really. I agree. I, I agree. I, I mean, having to be the one to determine whether or not schools closed. Parents during during the during oh, the no, snowstorm. That's, that's, that's the easiest. Yeah, part. I feel like that's a fun one. Fucking parents. Oh, the parent. Yeah, I mean, parents. That, entitled parents. Holy you know shit. the shootings. There's oh, that. Oh too. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But there's enough of that in Springfield without school. Yeah, you shouldn't have to be in the military or first responder to have to worry about uh, getting shot. Or, or being or a teacher. doing PR after. Or I should rephrase that. That shouldn't be the only. Those shouldn't be the only fields that like. You should work in where you have to fear this. Like being a teacher shouldn't have to be on that list. You shouldn't fear it. You should expect it. But uh, I mean, you, you get the angry parents no matter what the field is. The job's just too stressful. As they say in all those TikToks, I see I don't get paid enough for this shit. It truly yeah. is not worth the money. It really isn't. 
And they continue to get screwed. Uh, uh, Quinta, is that how you pronounce her? Quinta Brunson, she's the lady that created and stars on Abbott Elementary. Uh, She hosted SNL recently and in her monologue, because her mother's a teacher, she did a, a, a great speech, a great plea for teachers to get better pay. Oh my God. Yeah. Matt Damon does that too. Cause isn't his mom a teacher? I think it makes sense. Yep. People now this, this is, this is what you should really be doing. Put people in power to be really speaking out about this, especially since it's truly now a life or death job. Apparently clearly. Yeah. You want, you want to pay for my, uh, my weapons training, but you want, you don't want to pay for my fucking supplies. Yeah. Thanks. Well, anywho, uh, I don't know if it's right to put up the justice for veto hashtag. <laughs> I wouldn't. I'd, I'd wait and see. <laughs> I really just want to know what else was going on. There's got to be so much more to this, but uh, we, we truly may never know. All right. Uh, when we come back, we'll wrap this up. Mike, I want to talk about uh, The Last of Us with you. Oh, okay. Becky's been waiting for, for, waiting for this for a while. She's been telling me. I'm going to sit back. She's been telling me for weeks, you guys got to talk about it or you just do it yourself. Yeah, I've asked them to just so. do it. So, but uh, before we jump into this, Mike, you finished the series, right? Yes, I finished the series. I have not started the game, okay, because of things we're going to talk about later. But yes, I've done this the series. I watched the final the final episode that night because I was like, I do not want to have to deal with worrying about seeing a spoiler. <laughs> yeah, because I understood that it's not following the game exactly because I know that the game follows a certain you know it's been out ten years. Sure, but yeah, like all right, I didn't watch it. I watched it. I made sure. Oh, it's not like. Uh... It's not like uh, Succession. I don't know if you watch that, but uh, I guess they had their like red wedding episode last night and it only took about 15 minutes before it was spoiled for me. Not that I'm ever going to watch the show, but that just tells you how quick it is. These things get spoiled. So, all right, Uh, we will return. Stick around to be a fly in the wall for this conversation. Bob, you're in the room. You are listening to Hardly Focused. You are listening to the Solid Listen Podcast Network. I was working this retail job that I hated, and I convinced a customer that I had dyslexia. You may have convinced them very easily because you may actually have it. Hardly focused. Before we kick off the final segment here of Hardly Focused, uh, Mike Torara, Becky Hill, Jack Gill, uh, I would like to apologize to the following entities uh, for a comment I made in the previous segments, wherein I referred to a uh, certain individual uh, as a frumpy old grocery sack. I would like to extend my apologies to the grocery workers of America. <laughs> you, you, your your uh, reusable grocery bags. My word, they come in clutch, especially when you have a broken hand and and uh, you, you can't you got to take a shower. Those things are great. <laughs> you can start using more of those. Anyway, I extend my apologies to uh, to the grocery workers of America and also Lori Garcia for getting uh, your name wrong initially. I hope you forgive me. Anywho, The Last of Us is a show that was on HBO that wrapped up about a month ago. It's based I mean, on it still is. It still is on HBO. It's not it was, <laughs> but it's going to be a while before we get season two. Uh, slightly going to be a while. 
season one just wrapped up. It's based on a game that came out in 2013 uh, that I consider to be one of the greatest video games ever made. Becky and I actually recently were uh, looking at an Ask Reddit thread the question, what are the considered some of the greatest video games ever made? And I was actually like, you see the same, you see the usual suspects in there, right? You always see like was Final Fantasy seven. Oh, yes. Uh, All right. Le- Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, um, Tetris, Tetris, Super Mario, the various Super Mario games. But and of course, the problem is you've got it. You've got the two, the two things like pure, like pure gameplay, pure storyline. Like there, there's that's where you can kind of like which one is better. You know, and but yeah, in terms of storyline, best games ever, from what I've been told. The absolutely, the gameplay is good. It is very good gameplay, but like I'm not thinking about gameplay when I'm ranking The Last of Us as being my favorite game ever made in the history of the medium. I'm I'm thinking of the storyline, the fact that a, a game could have me in tears. It transcends the medium. Is what you're saying? Yeah, it's 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 yeah because it's, it's no Call of Duty modern you know uh, fungus okay <laughs> modern fungus yeah it's like because my parents still look at video games as just being abhorrent and a waste of time and that I'll never get anywhere something in life for kids video games. yeah no they're truly they truly are an art form now. They, and not only that, they do um, outclass movies, TV, and music in terms of revenue combined. Yeah. So, I mean, pump the brakes, guys. Like, think of how many hours like you get out of something like The Last of Us compared to watching it on television or if it were made into a two-hour film. Or if you're Jack, think of how many hours you spend in Skyrim. Think of how many times you buy Skyrim. <laughs> I uh, rolled a, a Nord the other night. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I mean, Skyrim is for the Nords. So. I don't think I've ever actually played as a, Norm, a Nord in Skyrim. Really? I've played, I think, almost every other, not not every class, but like most I mean, other I, classes. I had, I had to, because like the first time I played Stormcloaks, like, I got to play as a Nord. Yeah, no, for once I'm like, I think, you know, by default you're a Nord, and I think the story was written around the Nord, so why why not finally do it? I always go with something that's very magic heavy. Oh, you would. High Elf was my first character. Oh, you fucking High Elf asshole. Fuck you. And then uh, I've definitely done Khajiit. I've done Argonian, but now I'm doing Nord. Uh, Skyrim, I wouldn't even put in my top. Surprisingly, S- Skyrim, I just love because it's just relaxing. You know, it's just yeah, it's it's a nice release at the. Uh, and, you know, and because let's be honest, nature, it's nice. Oh my god, it just when you're it, walking through the middle. You're like, all right, unless there's a big giant fucking uh, you know troll walking around here, I'm relaxed. It just calms me down. But I wouldn't say it's the greatest game ever made. The uh, Ask Reddit thread that Becky and I were looking at, too. I think the top comment on there was Portal 2, which was my top game until The Last of Us came out. Interesting. Portal 2. Oh, wow. Portal 2. I have this personal rule that I will play the game once every five years. Wow. Okay. Because I want to be able to completely forget how to solve all the puzzles in the game and five years is a good enough gap that when I pick it up and I start playing again, I you vaguely remember, but you don't actually remember. And there's always one puzzle that's happened every time I've played through. And it's like one of the last ones in the game where I'm sorry, tests in the game, they call them tests where, uh, 
I, I will sit there for hours trying to solve it. And it all comes down to timing. Like you have to, there's an order of operations that you have to do. And it's just, it's just all timing, but I can never get it. And I always end up like getting frustrated, going to sleep and then having a lucid dream where the solution just like it pops up where I then get up and go back to my computer, go through the test and I end up beating it. And that's happened three times now. So uh, 2026 is when I'll be able to sit down and play it again. Will, will it still be playable? Oh, yeah. They just came out with a, uh, an update. They just updated this game that came out in 2011 and added ray wow. tracing to it. Nice. It's available. There's, on the... there, there's a couple of games that I would love to be able to play, but I literally don't have a functioning uh, system to play it on. So, if you, Hey, if you get a Switch, if you ever procure a Switch, Portal. Okay. They just put it on there, and it, and it, and it uh, plays very well, from what I've heard. But uh, now this is where we start spoiling The Last of Us. So if you haven't watched it, if you haven't played the game, Mike, I'll try not to spoil the game for you because I know you want to play it and you haven't yet. True, yes. But I mean, I, I know the general story arc because of the show. Yes. But I do know that there are differences intentionally because I did watch the post-show stuff every time. And the actual creator of the game was part of the show. And so whenever anybody online was like, well, this is the bird of this, you can go suck my nuts. I'm doing it because I can. And it, and it carried weight. Yeah. As opposed to like, you know, the guys that fucked up the end of game of Thrones, you're like, you fucked it up. We hate you for it. And they're like, you can't tell them he fucked it up because I'm the creator. I own this all. This is my vision. <laughs> yeah. Neil Druckmann, Neil Druckmann, I, who, who wrote, episodes of the show mm-hmm. he, where he even said in those post-show segments that he was given the opportunity to go back and, and change some things around in hindsight things he would have done differently he was given that chance to do that well, yeah like the limitations of the game or the, the the mechanics of the game you're like this would be so much better as if i had more time to expand on this which as a show you can as a game too much exposition kind of kills it. You know, pressing X for dialogue for an hour doesn't really work. Honestly, Mike, I think you got the better end of the deal by going into the show first. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and I'll cite long, long time as an example. That episode, by the way, I can't even think about it without feeling incredibly depressed. <sighs> like, my God, that, that just... Like, I've watched shows where incredibly depressing things happen. I've watched Up and was emotional watching the beginning of Up. I mean, let's be honest. Everybody's emotional. Uh, Anthony Edwards' last episode of ER always gets me. But nothing like I, I, I can watch all that in, in like I, I don't have to stop. I don't have to pause. The Last of Us, I actually had to stop because it was like I was Becky looked over at me. She could tell I was not well. Oh yeah, like that. I, 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 Sarah and I powered through it, but we definitely, yeah, it was hardcore. We were. I knew you were unwell. I did. I, I didn't have to ask. <laughs> you were genuinely unwell. I mean, when you make Nick Offerman cry, then you know you done. You done fucked up. Uh, so uh, I, I do have to say though, the the, the end of that episode where they talk to the actual creators. I can't remember which guy it was, but he's like. I've watched this, like he said, I think I said a hundred times. 
And when you're creating a show, I that's that's legit. That's a number. He goes, he goes I cry every time. Yeah, that was uh, Craig Mazin. Yeah, and I'm like that, that I would believe after watching that episode. That I believe. And that's one of those instances where Neil Druckmann said he wished he was given an opportunity to expand upon something that it shows up in the game, but it doesn't play out the same way. And he was given the opportunity to really build upon it. Now there's other things in the show that Mike, you'll see when you're going through the game where they can like the whole Kansas city sequence, for example. Yep. It's, it's in the game, but it's much longer. And yeah, Yeah. it's, it's It's more video. You can tell where like, Oh, this is an homage to the video game, but I can understand that you're, when you're in it, you're like you're slogging through. You're not just having a little bit, a cut scene, you know, some dialogue and more of this. It was, long, yeah, you could almost you could tell could, because you know it's coming from a video game. You can kind of see a little bit of its source material. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the last episode, and not not to spoil anything about the uh, last mission of the game, but I'm watching the last episode, and there's the sequence of Joel going through the hospital and just mowing everybody down, just like <laughs> just like the Terminator in the police station, just yep. like Sarah was watching that. She goes, "This has to have been the finale, like the final <laughs> boss level kind of thing." I'm like, "It does play like that." <laughs> so I'm watching it. I'm thinking to myself, that whole sequence felt very not very rushed but it felt rushed it 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 didn't have the same for me it didn't like hit the same it didn't feels it felt more anticlimactic than it did climactic is is it because when you're playing it and you're playing through it that you're you're more conscious of how you've got to be able to get through not take damage not die kill all these people it it seems more it, the pressure is on you because that, you're playing it that that's one of those things I had to think about after the fact when I was really reflecting on the last episode and everything that went down because I was playing the game in tandem. I was playing the the PS5 version in tandem. So pretty much after watching an episode, I would then go and play through in the game everything that went down in the episode. So pretty much the night that the finale aired, I then went and played the end of the game. And it took me probably about two hours to get through that mission because there's a lot of strategy involved in the show. Joel's just like walking down a hall and just picking dudes off in the game. He, he goes, he, he basically goes superhero mode, if you will. Yeah. In the, yeah. in the game, you gotta be hiding behind stuff. You gotta really be strategic because they naughty dog didn't fuck around with developing their AI system for the enemies. It will fuck you up. And this is, and it's, it, it was, more challenging than I remember because the PS5 remake uses the engine from the second game, which, you know, took them. So it's the AI is tweaked a little harder. Yeah. So they imported that. Whereas in the, in the first, you know, the original release, the PlayStation three release, the enemies, you know, they'd act like enemies, but they were dumb in the PS5 remake. They're actually actively hunting you. And they remember like, you know, I heard the sound coming up from over here. And he's got two accesses of, of Avenue. I'm going to go this way. And the other guy's like, oh, I'm going to go the other way. We're going to flank him. Yeah. Or they call like, oh, fuck. the enemies actually call to each other. They call to one another and they will like they actually they, they're not just coordinate. Yeah, they're not just robots. They actually there's a, a whole system there. And you I'm don't just put a it. box over your head and walk by them and they don't notice. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's 
it's there there's like a degree of thinking and timing involved and um uh, obviously none of that is in the show obviously they have time constraints that they're working with as well how do we fit this into 60 to 80 minutes but then someone on reddit put it perfectly and i'm paraphrasing here uh it also felt rushed because joel didn't get killed and have to restart 20 times <laughs> save point save point yeah save point save point <laughs> why are you saving every 30 seconds shut the fuck up <laughs> So there's that. Uh, it's like playing Dead Souls. All right. There's uh, an Easter egg that I didn't catch. In the scene when there's he, there's a lot of Easter eggs, but go. Which one didn't you catch? When he gets into the operating room. Okay. One of the surgeons, the uh, there are the nurse. I, I think technically she's Females, a nurse. Yeah, female nurse assistant. Yeah. Yeah. The one that assistant. the one that has a speaking line. Is played by now. She was obscured in in you know a surgical mask and a surgical cap, but her name is Laura Bailey, and she plays uh, a major character in the game The Last of Us Part Two. Oh, okay. And that, I do love how like they've been pulling a lot of the voice actors. Like, hey, I know you're a voice actor, but we're going to give you an actor role, and it's not going to be the same role that you voiced in. But we're going to give you that. Like, it's an it's an like an like a knighthood, mm-hmm. like an honorary like. You're, you're good. You're in good people. Some of them have had like more on screen roles and, and don't always do video games like that's like Ashley Johnson, for example. Right. Like she was on oh, yeah. growing pain. She was a child star. She's in the Avengers. But uh, so just doesn't do a ton of video games and then does The Last of Us. But Troy Baker, I don't I, I don't I can't name anything that wasn't a video game that he's in. And for him to have an on air role was or an on screen role rather was. He was great. Oh, yeah. Playing Buddy. That's not his name, but that's just like what he's known as is Buddy. <laughs> hey, Buddy. <laughs> Hope you find your dad. Same deal with uh, uh, What's-Her-Face, Melanie Linsky's character. Her her henchman is the guy that plays mm-hmm. um, Joel's brother yep. in the game. So I like that. I, I like that Druckmann did that, that he was able to pull all of all those folks in. It would have been nice if he got Nolan North, who plays um, David, if Nolan North got a cameo, but uh, don't know why he wasn't on the show. But uh, Mike, what was your favorite episode of the series? Favorite episode. I mean, there's two ways of doing it. Favorite episode of watching it a single time is episode three. Okay. Okay. Understand favorite episode to be able to be able to be able to rewatch. Um, is it when they make it to Kansas City? No, I, you know what? I, I like it when they make it to Wyoming. I, I do like it when they make it to the West. Okay, that that it's like uh, you know that there's stuff. It's it it feels good, and you've got that little banter of uh the, the Northern Exposure folks. Is that what it was? Or Twin Peaks? What was the uh, Northern Exposure? Those are yeah, the Northern Exposure. Yeah. Um, and because I never watched that show, but I, I was like, I, I know there's a reference here somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, like that. It brings it brings together. You 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 know that if you've never heard of the game, you know that there's this this resolution. I've gotten to my point, but you know there's a lot more left, and that's I like that point right there. What I I like that you brought that up because what I liked about that episode and pretty much. I don't know if it's even right to call it a sequence because it was the majority of that episode. All of that 
was lifted out of the second game. Mike, when so you I, so I've been told there was a speech um, that uh, she told was almost verbatim. Now that one's in the in the in the in the first game. First yeah, game, you'll yeah. get to that part. But but when they go into Wyoming and they're in that town, all of that is from the second game. So I was oh. surprised to see that they actually took something out of the sequel and inter, interjected it in the first. Uh, you know what's based on the first game, and there's a character shows up in one scene, and and I will try not to spoil this because it's more for the second game but it is a character that is very prominent in the second game that is connected to ellie and the it is it's all but confirmed that that's who this character is and it was ellie's first time seeing this character i think i'm picking up what you're putting down and i'll i I know what you're talking about She didn't have a speaking role. They show her for yeah, uh, yep, three yep, seconds. Yep, 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 yeah. yep. And I know, what you're, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I know what you're talking about. So I'm hoping. But that, yes. I'm hoping we we build upon that as we uh, get season two. Whenever as as we wait for 2025 and season two. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, when you when you get to that part in the game, you'll see it's the the script and the flow is there. But the scenery, the setting is in, in entirely different. Is it not 10 miles west of Boston? What in the in the nice uh, Rocky Mountains of the Pioneer Valley? Absolutely, nothing like Lexington and Concord at ten thousand feet elevation. Jesus Christ! Like that, it would have been almost perfect. Like they even put a Cumberland Farms in the show. They did that. They didn't screw around with the local references until you go ten miles west of Boston. Boston, yeah. Ugh. Is that where you are? No, you're not. <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, it got us talking, right? Maybe they did that intentionally. Knowing Druckmann, they did that intentionally. <laughs> He's like, just going to Because you know what? If nothing else, anybody that films in Boston or films, quote unquote, in and around Boston knows that if they don't do something accurately, they're going to fucking hear it. Yep. I mean, even in the game, when you're in that, that sequence, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's uh, police cars everywhere that say Amherst County. And as a Massachusetts resident, where the fuck is that? <laughs> he didn't have a Boston accent. And I would have thought by the amount of time he had spent there, he Joel, would have had one by then. Yeah. You would have adopted one yeah. over 20 years. Yeah, okay. So that was a little unrealistic. Maybe there was just a lot of people. There, that just, there are two kinds of people, though. There's people that will automatically quickly take up a, an accent and people that don't. So he could be one of those. Uh, it, he come from the South. He came from Texas, right? He did come from Texas. That's correct. And it also, it seemed like Boston was one of the few, if not the only quarantine zone that was like functioning normally, however you wanted to find normal compared to like Kansas city, for example, which was overrun by its population and had no law. So people could just be flocking in from all over the country and the, you know, the accent could just get weeded out. Cause you don't hear that in the game either. It's not like fallout four where all the NPCs have <laughs> quote unquote Boston accents 93 looked the same. It did. <laughs> oh, parking lot? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, when I was showing my father Fallout 4, he, because he, my father's older, right? He loved the fact that because it was a, you know, an alternate future where things didn't really progress past the 1950s, even though it was the, you know, the 23rd century or whatever, 
that the central artery still exists in Boston, even though it's like <laughs> all bombed out and decrepit. And he just liked it. He's like, what year does this nuclear war happen? I go 2077. He's like, I liked that the central artery is still there. That's good. He's like, the big dig never happened. <laughs> like, you're right. You know, the game and the remake and the PS5 remake of uh, The Last of Us, they, um, they actually took out the from the original release all of the T logos. They they like don't even refer to it as the MBTA in the original release. There's T logos like everywhere, and I don't know if it was a licensing issue or if the fact that in the game the orange line was as fucked as it is in real life. <laughs> uh, can't sue me for libel because it's accurate. <laughs> Becky, what was your favorite episode of the show? Is someone who's wow. not familiar as with the asked, source material? As you asked Mike, I'm like, I need to think about that. I like the first and the second. I, I, I'm going to say the first. I was surprised it, it sucked me in. I am a sucker for a, a local reference and a Cumberland Farms. I know that wasn't the first episode, though. But still. Yeah. I, for me, honestly, I really loved the whole thing. I was surprised I did, but I was really sucked in the first two, three episodes. I'm really it happy. did get a little longer for me at the end. But. Sure. I'm really happy that you got into it considering like you're not a gamer and it's something that's based off a game and it's going to have that. Yeah. And I'm not a TV family. person and a zombie person. You're not really. If it's an not a documentary. I typically don't want anything to do with it. Oh, did, did Ken Burns make this? Because I'm not watching it. <laughs> the last of us. I'm Richard Attenborough. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is it David Attenborough? <laughs> yeah, there's a difference. Okay. <laughs> David welcome Attenborough. welcome to jurassic park <laughs> sorry wrong at bro <laughs> but anyway uh, okay yeah so spared no expense so i had told you many times leading up to the show premiering that in the beginning of the game the opening sequence of the game leaves me an emotional wreck yeah i mean you every episode you said just warning i'm i'm going to be extremely emotional yeah and i'm like yep okay and, and when when sarah dies you were looking over at me, waiting for me, like just to make sure, like, are you crying? Are you crying? Yeah, you're crying. Yeah, you're sad. And they did it. Like, the guy that plays uh, his brother, um, Gabriel Luna, that's the actor's name. Um, he plays Tommy. So Gabriel Luna is the only person of the main cast who had played The Last of Us, who had played it multiple times. Everyone else was shown either cutscenes or given the game to try it out. Uh, but Gabriel Luna was the only one who had actually played it. And like, if you watch like side by sides of Luna and then uh, Tommy in the game, he's like, this is his moment. It's it's like one to one. Just the, the the inflection, his delivery, like you could tell he was, you know, he was getting to pretty much cosplay he was acting out like, you know, he's playing with his little, his little action figures. <laughs> he's reciting lines. Hey, you know what? If you've got to, you know, you've got to, he's like, I've got to deliver the same emotional experience that I felt. Go for it. Right. Yep. And finally now in the game, they, the, you know, they, what, what you see in the show is, is very comparable to the game. And when the, you know, when outbreak day happens, when everything goes to shit, but I do like that the show, at least in the first few episodes did show glimpses of things that were going on as the outbreak was happening. Cause you don't see that in a lot of these zombie 
uh, post-apocalyptic shows. It's usually the aftermath. I, I yeah, that's one thing that that Casero's like oh, the fucking zombie thing. Okay, whatever. But as soon as she watches, she's like, a the fact that they explain where it comes from, and they don't do this pussyfoot and bullshit like, oh, it's surprise what happened. I don't know, but somehow uh, society fell apart. And then two, like you can see, okay, this is exactly what's happening, and you can understand the from point A to point B with that gap of time, you know exactly what's happened. There is no question of, oh, I need to watch year after year after year to know what's going on. Yep. Yeah. So that's what pissed me off about Fear the Walking Dead was that the show was sold as being, showing like what was going to happen when the outbreak of that virus occurs. And you only see it in the first like four episodes. And it was yeah, and then it turns into regular Walking Dead. Yeah. yeah, it was so infuriating. And then they show scenes in The Walking Dead of the outbreak happening, but like for seconds. And that was just as infuriating. I want to see it happen. I want to see. I want to see the claps, the, like the 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 slow or fast claps of society, however you put it. Not not like the beginning, the beginnings of it, and then the aftermath, where there's a whole chunk in the middle that's uh, taken out. I I do love that that speech from the, uh, the scientist in, in Indonesia. Mm. Just, mm. What do we do? You bomb everything. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy, and the guy just looks, he goes, holy shit. Like, I, I, I mean, bomb it now. Like literally in this city, I'm sitting in this city. You need to bomb it. Yep. Like, Oh fuck. Fire bomb it. Burn everything. Uh, there's a film called, I believe it's called Maggie. It's, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Abigail Breslin. It was when Schwarzenegger got back into acting. Ah, yes. I seem to I, I recall vaguely. Because he had like he had a string of like he gets back into acting and pretty much all the movies he was doing weren't good. And Maggie was one of the the few ones that he did that was actually very good. And it's about a zombie outbreak, a zombie apocalypse. But the outbreak, it's in the middle of it happening. But there is some degree of control over the situation. And it's basically like people are sort of, it's kind of like, you know, the middle of the COVID outbreak, the, the pandemic, if you will, it's, it's society. Things are still going, but now you, you just kind of have to just be aware that, Hey, if you, you know, walk into this building, there might be an undead trying to, to kill you. Which I think honestly is, is somewhat more accurate as opposed to a complete, I mean, obviously if it's a, fungal outbreak like the last of us you're fucked but um you know is a general falling down of 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 society it's it's slower paced it's more a slow fall as opposed to yeah i i don't think anywhere in the game maybe it was mentioned maybe in passing somewhere in the game but i love that the show like in the first episode it's hinting at the fact that because like they're they're talking about things that are typically like food products that are typically made using flour and that the main characters are avoiding it, whereas the neighbors are like, hey, we made too much of this baked good. Please have some. Oh, my God. Yes. Yep. So, so everyone's hypothesizing after watching the first episode that has something to do with flour. And then that second or third episode were just straight up. Yeah, the flour is contaminated. Y'all ate it. Y'all are going to die. We're fucked. <laughs> I like that they at least set like explained where it came from. Exactly. That's what I like about uh, 28 Days Later is that the, with, the, with the monkeys and the poor scientist is just trying to explain like uh, infected with rage <laughs> infected with what 
rage. And then just like, okay, I don't believe you. And then next thing you know, 28 days later, the world's come to a grinding halt. Uh, so the game didn't give any any um, indication of what happened. It might have been mentioned in passing. I feel like something there is a like one reference to it, but it was it was missed. Because here's the thing about Naughty Dog and which games in general, because the technology is so powerful now you can really get detailed with little things. You can put like signs on walls and design like with like just writing and graphics and everything. And no one's ever going to stop to, to look at them, but you can, and you can read them. And there's probably something on there that mentions don't eat, don't eat this product risk of illness and posters on the wall. Yeah. Bedroom. Yeah. Druckmann probably just like hit, put it in the game and we just never saw it. Um, do you have any critiques of the show? What did you not like? I don't. I I I wish they had followed the game with the whole Kansas City sequence. Like I get it; it was to move things along. But in a game, that whole sequence takes place in Pittsburgh, and I kind of wish it was in Pittsburgh and not Kansas City. I don't think because it really it early because it was earlier earlier along in their their journey. Yeah. Yeah, I think for the for the show they wanted to establish that they were making headway progress, across yeah. the yeah across the uh, country. Whereas, I mean, I guess in the in the game it kind of does the same thing. Where okay, well everything happens in Pittsburgh, and then all of a sudden now you're in you know the Rockies. So what happened between Pittsburgh and and there? Whereas in the show they changed the setting for some reason to Kansas City because um, Kansas City looks slightly more like Alberta. <laughs> a little bit, not in the least. What are you talking about? uh i liked i was very unsure about melanie linsky's character is it kathleen is that her name i believe so because they she she's not in the she's not in the game they they, know and they oh my god the fucking internet was just like until they explained until they explained what like her purpose on the show and what connection she had and then that also gives Henry and Sam some backstory that's not in the game. So there were there were things that the way they set the the way they set this stuff up like w- was very head scratching. But they at least seem to then kind of you know tie up the loose ends in the following episode. And, and the thing is, is it only noticed because you played the game? Mm. If you had not played the game, yeah. would you have noticed? Exactly. Like I, I, I well, also don't watch like the you know the interviews at the end, because the interviews at the end will they'll just straight up tell you like, hey, we didn't do this in the game, so we're doing it here. They pretty yeah. much you know uh, pulling the curtain back there, but, which I do appreciate because you're like, all right, oh, I saw this, and it makes sometimes you put it in the back of your head like, oh, well, what do I do with that? And then they literally like, oh, hey, the thing that I think that you're going to be questioning, oh, we did this because of this. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, I think back, it would just be as someone who played the game, I'd say that um, showing more of the Lincoln, Massachusetts sequence would have been nicer. But instead, we got long, long time, which is like, OK, I will take that. Absolutely. The Lincoln sequence in the game is great. But if we get long, long time on the show, oh, I'll, I'd, <laughs> give me that in a heartbeat. Yeah. 
Uh, and then I mentioned it earlier, but just the last episode, just the whole hospital sequence, just feeling rushed. But again, that's just because I, I played, was going to say, I felt yeah. there should be one or two more episodes. Agreed. Yeah. They it's, could, it's they could always like that. that. They'd be like, oh, you're going to be eight episodes. Like, can you give us 10? Can you give us 10? Just give us 12. I think if you give us 12, then you could, you could stretch it out just a little bit more. But yeah, I've not played the game yet because I've read things. The PC, the PC version. Yeah, the PC port of the game that just came out a couple of weeks ago, and uh, in a rare misstep for Naughty Dog, the PC version is uh, performance-wise not good. No, and it's like, hey, I hear like people are saying I've even got more than the minimum requirements, and it's still not working right for me. That's not I'm like well, yeah. in that case, I ain't touching it till you guys fix it. Fuck that noise. Yeah, and Naughty Naughty Dog is sort of synonymous with perfection at this point they're up there it's, with it's the anti-bethesda yeah they're they're like rockstar games uh where, where it's quality quality and quantity and accept nothing nothing less nothing short of perfect and here's the problem i can tell you what the problem is so <laughs> i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you naughty dog did not 100 handle the pc version ah that is why it's not 100 percent then they outsourced it to a studio called Iron Galaxy Games. Uh, I, I'm sorry, Iron Galaxy Studios. I guess it doesn't matter because they suck. Uh, according to Wikipedia, Iron Galaxy is also known for porting Batman Arkham Knight to the PC. Uh, ports infamous for their poor optimization and bugs. Uh, so why would you go with that company then? Because it's cheap. Oh. They probably would have done it for half the... the well, do it for cheap. Half the half the cost of probably another studio that's you know does the same work and probably better. But also, I don't know like how experienced Naughty Dog is with doing PC versions of games if they've only developed on console. Okay. Uh, Batman Arkham Knight, the PC version, uh, was um, absolutely uh, it was absolutely terrible. It needed it, like like there had to be. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I saw that happening and I tr I, I saw it happening. I saw the tangle. I saw the cable getting tangled. Fucking kids over. And I heard the thud. Um Yeah, uh the Arkham Knight PC port is considered like one of the worst. And it uh because I was working at WB when that came out. And it was a rare instance. It was like now Steam handles refunds, like Steam does refunds. Back then, they broke their policy and like, okay, we will offer refunds for this game because it's so bad. It's so unplayable. And I don't think they ever got it into a playable state. And and I feel like Naughty Dog's going to make sure it does happen. But in the meantime, I'm just waiting. Yeah, I would wait. I would definitely wait. There was an update that came out over the weekend that did fix a lot of issues, but people are still saying there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of things that still need work. I was watching a video of someone who, uh, as they were running, the sky, like the clouds and the like, the position of the sun was moving with them. And if they took a step back, then the clouds and the sun would like go backwards. That makes sense. Uh, it it, it makes sense, but it doesn't not make sense. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. That's what was happening was not supposed to happen. That's something that needs to be fixed, and it doesn't happen in the. Uh, we we're just outside Barstow, man. Yeah, that does not happen in the versions of the game that have been out. So uh, last question. Do you think Joel watching the series, watching the last episode, do you think Joel did the right thing? 
This has been a point in, of. In, I feel like. I I feel like looking at it, uh, the longer lens. Yes, overall, overall yes. Certain things no, but overall yes. Okay. And you want me to get into details or no? Yes, please. Uh, okay. And also, this has been one of the most like controversial things since 2013. What Joel did and and what he told Ellie. It's it, okay. it is still a debate to this day. Okay. So here's the deal. All right. We don't know how many scientists are left and how many doctors are left. So killing the doctor, hard no. You fucked. You done fucked up. I understand he's trying to protect, you know, Ellie from getting chopped up. Um, but it, look, you got you got. There, there are certain uh, you know quote unquote non combatants you got to you got to leave alive in here. Okay, there, there's no Harvard Medical School medical school anymore. Okay, that being said, they were planning on just cutting her open once and getting what they needed. If they didn't get what they needed, it was a waste. It was a complete waste. Why can't you get blood cultures? You can do like spinal tap shit, like stuff that is invasive but not deadly to her and use her as a living Petri vessel for the rest of her life. Now, granted, that's not a great thing for her to be, but there's more opportunity for her to be alive and offer more options for a treatment than just cutting her brain open. Yeah, I... So my answer was more scientifically based <laughs> as opposed to emotional, like, oh my God, because he loves her so much and it's Sarah and he's missing her. No, no, no. It's more like, dude, options, man. You got to get scientific options. If one experiment is, it sucks, you don't have an option for two if you kill the, the, uh, the control. Like, come on. Um, I, okay. What you said about the surgeon, I'm going to say consequences. Consequences. Actions have consequences. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. Uh, now I think Joel is just a selfish bastard. I think okay. he's just trying to, obviously he's upset and angry that his daughter was taken away from him and develops this bond with Ellie, which in the show, it, it is a much, we, we get a more humanized version of Joel. We don't see that as much in the game. We don't have that, like that, that scene where he's having a panic attack because he's freaking out over the weight of responsibility of having to watch Ellie. Um, that was it. I, I liked that they showed that human side, but I think he was very selfish in that. She is obviously it's not a guarantee, Mike, as you said, but there's, there is a good chance. She holds a cure. It's, you know, sacrifice one to save a uh, hundred. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the, tra- it's the train call it is train call. The train trolley uh, conundrum of, you know, if you don't move, you know, if you don't move the lever, you know, you're running over five people. But if you actively move the lever and it runs over that one person, you chose to run over that one person. But if you don't move the lever, and you never touched it. Are you at fault for the other deaths? Yeah. You know, it's kind of that, you know, are you culpable by not doing anything? Are you culpable by doing something? So that was that line from, uh, Star Trek is it the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Yes. Yes. Spock. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I, he had now, uh, yeah, you have the chance to develop a cure, but then like what happens afterwards? Like, do, do, do you re do you rebuild society? Do you just begin a new, like, uh, yeah. Okay. You stop, you stop the cordyceps fungus and you stop everything that's going on. But then like, what is that? 
obviously it's not going to have any, you're not going to like rebuild and bounce back immediately, but um, I know it's just, it's such a, that, that one is such a great area, but ultimately boils down to Joel, like having this decision, like, can I potentially save the world or do I want to have a daughter figure and be selfish and make myself happy? And I don't think he was thinking in that moment. He was really only thinking of himself. Oh yeah. And in that moment as the character, he was completely selfish and he was doing things for himself as the outside observer. Those are my thoughts. Yeah. But in a moment, oh yeah, it was a completely selfish move and he wasn't thinking about the greater good. He was just thinking about himself. Well, not even that, not even thinking about what Ellie might think. Cause Ellie's oh, not yeah, an idiot. He fucking lies to her. Yeah. Well, she's not an idiot. She's going to figure it out. She's going to, she's going to realize what it is he did. And she, she somehow, We'll figure out that Joel lied to her, whether or not he admits it or she hears it from someone else or it just becomes obvious. Or maybe she could just tell the whole time he was lying. That's she, a vibe I got. Yeah. I got we were set up that she knows. She she It's one of those, you, you know the lie is there, but the lie is too big to admit to yourself. Yes. And that's why she's like, I need you to look at me in the eyes and tell me you did this because, you know, because we're going to be okay. And that's what it is. He's, we're going to be okay. And she goes, okay, I can, I can, I can stomach the lie and I can gloss over the lie and I can live the lie until something else comes along that forces open that container that I put the lie in and says, oh no, this is a fucking lie. Deal with it. And for right now, she doesn't have to deal with it. The lie's there, but it's it's locked away. It even says that on the label. A fucking lie. A little Acme logo at the top. Season two just opens and she just shoots him. <laughs> He's like Ryder Strong at the beginning of Cabin Fever 2. <laughs> um, yeah, so you see this in both the show. You see him both in, in the game. And this is why I think that she knows. Like she's much smarter than she leads herself on to be. If he hesitated, that's what it is. He, she asked him a question. He hesitated before he responded. If he was, I, I just feel like this, this could be, I could be talking on my ass, but I feel like this is like a psychological thing. If you're not lying, then you, you respond like, were you telling the truth? You immediately Yes, I was telling the truth. But yes, no. if you're not, a, yeah, if you're not a sociopathic narcissist, yes, generally speaking, you, yeah, you, you go like that. Because I have, I have lived that where I have asked, "Is this a thing? Is this happening?" And if the response was anything other than no, or if it wasn't a quick response, then, uh, then I know you're full of shit, and I know you're lying to me. Noted. So yeah, okay, whatever. But <laughs> <laughs> you sure do, Beck. Um, but uh, that's just how I, I see it with Joel. Um, and that's uh, what I'm going to say because I do not want to. Uh, I'm, I'm, very, I'm trying very hard not to spoil. Well, hopefully, you know, season two will be about and spoil The Last of Us Part Two, the game, which I have only played once because that game exhausted me emotionally i felt just like i had to take a week off from life when i was done with it jack you need therapy that game is the reason why i need therapy holy shit 
but it was a masterpiece. Okay, I, I, it was, an, and it, somehow I avoided all the spoilers too because it leaked. The whole the whole thing leaked online like a month before it came out, and the spoilers were everywhere. And somehow I I avoided all of them. And I and I and I was so proud of myself. That 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 is, uh, Mike. You said that I think you said it before we started recording. Um, that you watched the last episode like the night it aired, just so you could avoid the spoilers. Oh yeah, that same. Is, well, it's so tough to do now, and and somehow I was able to, to skirt around not having the Last of Us Part Two spoiled for me when uh, the whole thing was out there in the wild for a month. Oh, uh, and quickly, I, I do want to mention a little, a couple things. So first, in uh, I think it's Uncharted Three, which is also a Naughty Dog game. There is a uh, a little. This is what I love about games that are that have sh- that when they establish shared continuity shared universes where there's a newspaper in uncharted three that was naughty dog teasing the last of us because that was the next game to come out and uh, it's uh, the front page of a newspaper that says scientists are still trying to understand deadly fungus (laughs) so it, it, it that time it was starting to happen but we hadn't gotten there yet although also you know then there's another uncharted game that, that came out after the last of us and the world is very clearly untouched by the virus well so they figured out the deadly virus they must have yeah alternate universe multiverse a fungal outbreak at michigan paper mill suspected to have infected nearly 100 workers ah it's happening it's happening it's coming uh and then there's they they put a reference in episode five um, endure and survive when they are underground. When Joel, Ellie, yes. Henry, and Sam are underground in the uh, the children's area. Yep, and there's a drawing on the wall of two uh, people, like obviously done by a child. And one of them is dressed up in security gear, and uh, one of the names on the picture says Ish. And in the game, that is a whole story that you can piece together through collectibles. When you're going through that whole sequence, you can find letters that ish was leaving in little notes and it's uh it, it effectively sets up and establishes the story of that underground community nice and uh i was so happy they put a reference to that because they don't they don't talk about it at all i think they might just kind of like very briefly explain what it is but i'm happy they at least made just a small very brief reference to ish in there because i love like going through i love picking up all those notes and just like y- you you very slowly, but in piecemeal, put together a story that explains, okay, this is why I'm in this area, and that's why it looks the way it does. And it also just kind of gives you a, uh, you know, some more insights. It's just how bleak and fucked up everything was. So uh, for that, Mike, I'm excited that you're going to experience all of this. So hopefully. Eventually, when they fix the fucking game. Eventually. Alternatively. I mean, I've waited 10 years. So I can wait a couple more months. <laughs> Alternatively. PlayStation 3s are pretty cheap these days. I mean, you can go that out is and true. get one and get the, the original release. Yeah, on, honestly, I might. At it this point, it holds up. It's still very, very good. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure my brother-in-law does have a PlayStation 3, as well as every other console since the Atari in his game room. Or a PlayStation 4. They put it on the PlayStation 4 as well. Okay, there so, you go. Yeah, that's probably actually much easier to find. So, All right. Uh, with that, Mike, thank you for... Uh, everything everything yeah really everything i can't pick out any 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 specific part of that 
Uh, Mike, thank you for making fun of women with me. Absolutely. I'm sure the network's really going to appreciate that. Um, Becky, thank you. Jack, anytime. Happy to represent the ladies. I'm hoping the children are yeah, okay. The ladies. The ladies. <laughs> uh, and uh, for the rest of you, anything that we uh, talked about in this episode, uh, Fire Festival 2, country music, uh, the superintendent fiasco in Western Massachusetts, or The Last of Us, uh, you can leave us uh, feedback at hardlyfocused.com slash contact uh, or on our social media pages of which we have several and linked and, and LinkedIn. Is that what you said? No, no, no. Link, link linked. your socials. I will uh, on LinkedIn on live. Journal. <laughs> yeah. hit, hit us up on live journal. And a Zang man. <laughs> okay. For the rest of you, thank you for listening. We will talk at you next time. See ya. Bye. Goodbye. May not have happened. This has been a presentation of the Solid Listen Podcast Network.